Hey, before we really jump in, and while John is still trying to find a place to sit down, John, I love you. You know that, right? Okay. Okay, good. I want you to know that. Hey, um, before we jump in, um, Ashley, were we going to say something today? Okay. Just want to make sure. Yes, you, can you go do that? Hey, before we jump into the message today, just during worship, I just had so much, just as Lord was speaking, he really speaks to me in worship. Um, obviously through his word, but the songs that we sing are, many of those songs are from his word. So there's just that phrase, um, I breathe you in and I lean into your love this morning. I was just, you know, when Jesus spoke over his disciples, when he came back, it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so I just sense that for us this morning. So if, if you're a little short of breath spiritually, just breathe him in. If it's been a while since you've taken a deep breath of Jesus, then breathe him in. And then have the responsibility. We have responsibility as followers of Jesus, right? He did all the work for us, but he still gives us responsibility. And, that, and the, one of the words was to seek him. When we seek him and look for him with all our hearts, we will find him. It's like when I used to play hide and go seek with my son when he was two years old. He loved it. But I'd hide behind obvious places because I wanted him to find me. And so I would do stuff like this. And he would count. And then he was done counting and I'd be like this. And just to see the look on his face when he finds me and he sees me was totally worth it, right? And that's who our father is. The Bible says that he loves us with an everlasting love. And he has compassion for us. So it's really important that we breathe him in and lean into him and seek him with all our hearts. And one of the people that's going to help us do that is our brand new, right off the press, worship leader at Renton Christian Center. And her name is Ashley Ashbeck. So... You know, I'm a microwave guy. I like things to happen really fast. So this happened really quickly. Um, it's only taken about five years <laughs> to convince her and pray. So, yeah. So um, Ashley is our official starting five years ago. <clears throat> She's our official worship leader at Renton Christian Center. So we're excited about that. Aren't you? <laughs> Don't answer that. Don't answer that. No, we're excited. We're excited what God's doing. And I wasn't even going to, I was going to do this in a couple of weeks, but I want to announce somebody else that's stepping up to the plate is James. James Scott right here. James, can you stand up? There you go. The guy's used to being behind the camera for King 5 News. Um, don't hold that against him, but, um, but anyways, if you're a Como or a Cairo person or a Q13, whatever you are, um, so, yeah, so, yeah, he is running the back of the house, like, helping us with audio technical stuff, which is, like, for me, which isn't hard to do, actually, with my stature, but anyways. Um, anyways, James, thank you so much. It's welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. So, leaning into his love, leaning into his love. That's what I want to do. I just want to be in that place always with him. 
Hey, if you're looking for places to connect here, I'm kind of giving it away, but in a few weeks, we're going to have Vision Sunday. It's our four-square annual. We have to have a business meeting on Sunday morning, and a lot of you guys are like, I'm staying home for that one. But no, come, because you get to. we're going to introduce the staff to you. The council will be here. We're just going to share together and talk together um, about what God is doing and what he wants to do. I really believe that God is wanting us to connect in 2022. It has been a weird two years of disconnection. And um, man, that's exactly what the enemy would want to, for that to happen. It was for us to isolate and so he can come after us. And so the best way is for us to stick together. And if we see somebody isolating, that we grab them and bring them back in. If we see someone going a little bit slower, then we need to slow down and be with them so they can be with us. Amen? And so connection is going to be huge. And so things are stirring right now in the church. We already have an incredible youth ministry. There she is. Krista's here who leads our youth ministry, Wildfire. We have incredible children's program, RCC Kids, of Pastor Marcy. By the way, it's Pastor Marcy's birthday today. She doesn't want us to make a big deal out of it at all. So make a big deal out of it. So make sure you say happy birthday to her. Um, we have an Ignite group. A lot of you guys don't even know about our Ignite group, but that's college age. Um, yeah, Jordan. Jordan, give us a let's go. There we go. Okay. So, so yeah, so Jordan and Amanda and a, and a group of them get together a couple times a month just to be connected together. Uh, and, and they do something fun, but then they also get in the word and just, you know, just it, who remembers when they're 20-ish? Some of you are like, that was just a few years ago. Yes. I try to remember. Some of you don't even know how old you are today, but anyways, that's okay. Um, so yeah, so just Places to connect. Men's ministry, there's, God is really stirring right now in the hearts of some of our guys. And so you're going to hear more about that. And we're praying about women's ministry. We're praying about what do small groups look like? What does it mean to connect? And it doesn't have to be church-sanctioned stuff, by the way. Just go hang out with one another and spur one another on and do, and do things together. And then uh, like the kids' ministry, collecting food. And they're out there. They just collected it all. They're taking it back. They're going to actually weigh it today. So the kids have a number like, we got all this food, and it's like 200 pounds or whatever it is. So it's, it's really good. So I encourage you to, uh, to connect. We're going to be connecting in 2022. What I love about being part of Foursquare is it's, we're doing that together. So Foursquare is a denomination. It came out of the Azusa Street uh, revival way back. So Assembly of God came out of that revival. So did... Um, Christian Missionary Alliance came out of that. A whole bunch of denominations just sprung up from that revival. And it's just great to be part of something that's bigger than just RCC, right? And so they're starting off the year with fasting and prayer. Today is actually the last day, according to their calendar. If you're still working on it, still keep doing it. Keep, keep following along. Um, but today's the last day, day number 21 of fasting and praying. And uh, I just want to encourage you, if you've never done that, if you've never said, hey, I'm going to take the time to pray and fast. A lot of times we just think of food, but it could be whatever. It could be fasting from your phone, your computer, fast from your job. Let me know how that goes with your boss. Like, hey, I'm going to fast for a couple of weeks um, for my job. So um, anyways, yes, yes. So. It's just, it's just an opportunity for us to say, God, I'm really serious about my relationship with you. And you're important. More, you're more important to me than whatever I'm fasting from. 
Fasting is a really a good time for us to, you know, for me, it's really a good time for repentance, to, to self-examine what's going on in me. And maybe the areas in my life where I've kind of fooled myself, I've even strayed a little bit. It's also a place for me to come and to bring my petitions and my, my lists. God, this is where I need, I need you here in this, in this area of my life. Um, my friend needs you in this area. My family needs you. Um, it's a great opportunity to do that. It's a great time to worship. I love to worship in the midst of that. It's a great time, again, I just said it, but for petition, but for intercession, to actually pray for somebody else, not just pray for your own needs, but pray for somebody else. Intercede, step in the gap for them, like stand in the way of whatever's coming their way and, and intercede for them. It's huge. I'm not sure what you guys pray for on a regular basis. I remember when I was younger, um, I used to just have my list. I don't know if anybody else has ever done this, but you kind of get in a routine. Like when, when I was in my teens, my, my flare, I had to be like a flare prayer. It was just kind of the, almost, almost the same thing. The, usually the beginning was just acknowledging who he was. And then maybe a couple of the new things that are going on in my life where I need his help. And then I would just go through my list. Please be with my mom. Please be with my dad. Please be, you know, please be with my sister, you know, and just go through my list. And then I started listing my friends. And then I was like, oh, did I leave anybody out? And you feel guilty? Do I, you know. So what do we pray for? Can I encourage you to add one more thing to your list? If that's you, if you have a list, um, I want to invite you to pray for revival. I want you to pray for awakening. They really do go hand in hand. A revival is when God's people's hearts are touched and changed and brought closer to him. Awakening is when people who don't even know Jesus are introduced to him for the very first time and their eyes are wide open. It's from death to life. It's because of God's grace. It's not anything we do, but it's grace-driven. It's love-driven. So I encourage you to pray for revival, and I encourage you to pray for awakening. Um, start with you. Can I just say that? Start with you. God, would you revive me in my relationship? That's for believers. If, you're not a, if you have not decided to follow Jesus yet, and then your prayer is, God, awake me. And you know, the fact is that the fact that you're even praying and asking God and communicating with God and you don't even know, really know him yet is awesome. Because you know what the Bible says about that? Is he's drawing you. He's drawing you to himself. The fact that you're thinking about him and, and want to know him or know more about him, he's drawing you. So just continue to talk to him and, and pray. And ask for, yeah, God, I want to be awake. I want to be alive in you. This morning as we were wrapping up, we're actually starting to wrap up the book of John. Um, we have two weeks left. Today and next week, and then we'll be done. For now. We might do it all over again someday. Because it's so good and so rich, right? The word of God is, it's never the same when we read it. I don't know about you, but I can read something, especially the older I get. I've been reading my Bible for a long time. And then all of a sudden you read something that's like, I haven't seen that before. And I get excited, but I also was like, what was I doing when I read this before? I just get excited, but he always is speaking to us through his word. And so as we're wrapping up John, we're, we're seeing Peter's personal revival here. Peter's personal revival. 
You know, Peter is highlighted a lot in the book of John, probably because one of his best friends and competitor, John, wrote it. And so he talks a lot. He highlights Peter's life a lot in this book, especially towards the end. And it's important for us to look at these characters and these stories. And again, I always like place yourself there, place yourself in his position or in their position. And when we see Peter and what he was experiencing, it's important that we learn from him. You know, the Bible is very clear that these stories are written for us so we can learn from them. I mean, as a dad, I don't want my son to learn the hard way. Now, sometimes you have to learn the hard way, right, church? But I don't want my son to go through some of the stuff that I went through because I want him to learn from me, especially my mistakes, my downfalls, my regrets. Peter was a man who had all those things. He had his downfalls. He had his regrets. He had his mistakes. It's right here in black and white. We see them all. But it's important that we learn from them. Second Corinthians 1 says that we receive from him, from God, compassion and care. And so then when we are walking with somebody who are going through the same things that we're going through, we can help them walk through with compassion and care. So the things that we're going through, I believe, are not by mistake. They're not by accident because I believe our God is sovereign and he's good. And so in the midst of all those things, what are we learning? What are, where are we growing? Where, where are we at with him? Hmm. Some of the things that Peter faced. Some of the things that Peter experienced with Jesus. So his first experience really with Jesus that is written down is when this supposed great teacher gets in his boat and then starts telling him what to do. Like, hey, push offshore a little bit so I can talk to the crowd. Um, hey, you guys been fishing? Why don't you throw? And, and yeah, we've been fishing. Didn't catch a thing. We're ready to go home. Well, try throwing your nets on the other side. Hey, Jesus, we're too shallow here. Whatever it is. Um, and they catch so much fish. And then, and then Peter's response to that massive, first massive catch of fish is, I am unworthy to be in your presence. Somehow in that moment, Jesus shines a spotlight into Peter's life. And he sees Jesus for who he really is as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the one who has come to save the world. And he's like, I am not worthy to be in your presence. And then right after that moment, Jesus talks to Peter and calls him and says what? He says, follow me. And Peter does. Even though Peter was like, I'm not worthy to be in your presence in one moment, but I, don't want to, I can't be away from you now. Right? I need to be with you. And so Peter does that, and he spends three years, dedicates three years of his life, and all the things that they experienced. He was one of the three that went up on the mountain and experienced the transfiguration. He saw the crowds fed. He saw the water turn into wine. He was the one that got out of the boat later on, another boat scene, and he walks on water with Jesus. He's the one that ran into the empty tomb, the first one into the empty tomb. But he's also the one that denied his best friend. 
and betrayed his best friend when his best friend needed somebody to stand up for him. But we think, right? We all know that it was God's will for Jesus to go to the cross. So Peter experienced all these things. <laughs> and sometimes I wonder, you know, for us, like, do you ever have a hard time, like, shaking off your mistakes? Like, getting over your regrets? You ever have a hard time, like, just leaving those behind? Yeah. Well, so did Peter. And so did Peter. So what did Peter do? He, he jumped back into what was known to him, what was comfortable to him. Yeah, he had seen Jesus a couple times just mysteriously appear out of nowhere and communicate and talk and have fellowship and then would disappear. And so there's some hope there, but you're still like, there's no, now it's been a week and you haven't seen Jesus at all. And like, was I imagining that? Were we just thinking that happened or whatever? And the unknown, so Peter just relies on what he did know and he goes fishing. And then when he goes fishing, he sees somebody on the shore. And we talked about this last week. And it's John who says, it's Jesus on the shore. And so what does Peter do? Calmly row in like with everybody else because it's going to be faster if we row in. No, he does what Peter does. He acts first and thinks second. Right? Anybody else? Don't raise your hand. Oh, sorry, John. John and Doug. Okay. Um, I think there's many more of us in this room that we just act first and then we think. And it was like, oh. So he just jumps out of the boat and does that awkward run, swim thing. For 100 yards, the Bible says. So about an hour later, he gets there, right? And he has breakfast with Jesus. And that's where we're going to pick up here this morning as we jump in to John chapter 21. If you need a Bible, we do have Bibles. I'd love for you to follow along. Raise your hand if you need one. We have them here. Our ushers, are, our hosts are excited to get you one. We're in John chapter 21 this morning. We're going to start off in verse 15. So what an incredible morning, really, for Peter. I mean, he, they go fishing. They catch nothing. They have that experience again. They see a stranger at the shore. And have you any fish, Jesus says. They don't recognize him at the moment. And they're like, no, we haven't caught anything. We've been fishing all night. We haven't caught a thing. And the, the voice from the shore says, throw your nets on the other side. And they're like, oh, we've heard this before. And then they realize it is Jesus, right? And so they do that. They catch so much fish. In fact, the Bible says like 153 big fish. Um, and the nets don't break. Peter jumps out of the boat. They run. And then they actually get to have breakfast. I think breakfast is like my favorite, like a big breakfast is my favorite meal. Hardly ever do it. Usually just have my, I don't even know what I call my, what I have in the morning. People make fun of me, but I call it my poor man's mocha. You know, some hot chocolate and a little coffee. Lately, uh, we had some extra marshmallows floating around the house. So a few marshmallows floating in there. Um, a little whipped cream squirted on top. I feel judgment. <laughs> don't feel much grace here in this moment, but okay. It's actually pretty good. Don't Dana Buck. Do I have a witness? Amen. Yes, amen. All right, good. Dana Buck. We're uh, poor man mocha buddies. Okay. 
Um, frugally fiscal mocha buddies. Okay, is that better, Grace? Okay, thank you. Um, I do love a big breakfast, a good breakfast, right? And so this is an incredible morning because Peter is sitting there with Jesus now and having this amazing conversation. They're all gathered around, and we don't know how long they have breakfast for. We know they're eating fish, and they're eating fresh bread. Fresh bread. Gordon, I'm out of bread. Gordon makes the best bread, by the way. Um, fresh bread in the morning. And it doesn't say here what happens, but Jesus and Peter have a conversation, and we're going to read it. But apparently, I don't think they have this conversation just in front of everybody. Because at one point, Peter, you're going to see it. Peter kind of looks back and sees John hanging out kind of with them. And um, he plays a horrible game with John. And we're going to talk about that. Um, so, Because I don't believe Jesus is going to have this. Because this is going to be a hard conversation. Anybody have a hard conversation with Jesus? I've had some really hard conversations with him. Over difficult circumstances, yes. But when he's like communicating with me, it's usually about change of my direction. Because the things that I'm doing are going to lead me to death. The things that I'm chasing after are not going to lead me to a good place. It's going to lead me to bitterness. It's going to lead me to destruction. And so he, with his shepherd's staff, which comforts me, the Bible says, it's a comfort to know that we're protected, but he protects us by pulling us back. Some of those conversations are really difficult. I remember way back in the day where I was going through this time, I was I mean, I got saved when I was young, but then I was, you know, I was 13, 14, and I was like this with Jesus, you know. And it was between my junior and senior year, summer, when Jesus, like, really got a hold of me. And I had some really serious conversations with him. And one of the things he asked me to do is to go back to the people that I had, that I had offended and ask for forgiveness. Easiest thing in the world, right? Whew, so hard. And he specifically put it on my mind to share, to, to go back to something that happened like four years before, three years before, playing football in a backyard, and uh, my anger showed up, um, and I punched somebody. Okay. And this guy had mercy on me because he was twice as big as I was, which, again, wasn't that hard when I was in seventh grade, eighth grade. Um, and all he did was just pick me up and bear hug me. <laughs> and then I never went over to his house again. Never talked to him again. Three years later, four years later, I'm pumping gas at a gas station. And God is like stirring in my heart. And guess who works at that gas station? Mike. Mike was at that gas station. And I just felt the Holy Spirit. Kind of what Ashley was saying today, man, you feel like your heart pumping, your hands sweating. Oh, yeah. I wasn't excited to get gas. But I knew what God wanted me to do. And you know what I did? I drove away. Oh, I just broke someone's heart. And I just felt the pressure of heaven. A good pressure, right? You guys know. If, you're, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you know the good pressure. 
because I knew what I had to do. And so, you know what I did? I drove back. So, Jody, there you go. I drove back. And back then, you didn't pay with credit cards at the gas station. You actually had to go inside. You had to go inside the store and use this green stuff that had numbers on it. And back then, you didn't need that, that much for gas, right? I don't know why I'm pointing at Tony, but okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, $4 would fill up your tank back then, right? So $4 gives me one gallon of gas right now. So I go in there, and he knows who I am. I know who he is. And it's awkward. Haven't seen him for like four years. Hey, Mike, how are you doing? I'm all right. Hey, man, do you remember... Uh, <laughs> You remember like four years ago when we were playing football in your backyard and I um, jumped up and punched you? <laughs> okay, yeah, you got the, got the visual? Michael and Fiona, got the, got the visual. And he goes, and just awkwardly, because it was awkward, he was like, yeah, I remember. And I just said, man, I just want you to know that I became a Christian, and I'm walking with Jesus now. And he just told me I need to ask your forgiveness. And he goes, oh, don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it. He gave me his forgiveness. And then I just got gas there all the time. And then, it's, then everything was good, right? But that was a hard conversation that I had with Jesus. I didn't want to do it. I'd much rather just go. There's plenty of other gas stations. But it's one of those conversations that God was like pressing on me hey, if you want to walk with me, then sometimes it's going to be difficult. You're going to have to do things that you don't want to do. And that's what we see what happens here with Peter. Because God has a plan for Peter. And Jesus asked him some really, it seems like a simple question, but it's a really hard question for him. The reason why Jesus is asking these questions is because he has plans for Peter's life. And he needs Peter to know. To know that he knows who his Lord is, and who he is to follow. Jesus doesn't need to know that. Jesus doesn't ask these questions out of insecurity or to shame Peter. He is asking Peter so Peter will know that he knows. So when things get really hard, I know I'm supposed to follow Jesus. And things will get hard for Peter. Peter will die a martyr's death. And Jesus predicts it. says it right here. There's going to be times when we walk with Jesus where, because he loves us, church, that we'll have difficult conversations with him. Not difficult from his perspective, because what he wants for us is the best. He wants the best for you. He wants the best for you. In order for him to do the things that are the best, then he's going to have to remove things that don't make you the best. Man, yesterday I worked, I've inherited a garden. <laughs> um, I'm working in the garden yesterday. And, you know, over winter, it's grown over, and um, Heather's done a great job in, in tilling it up over the years, but more weeds, right? And so I'm literally on my hands and knees, digging out down eight inches at a time and pulling out just deep weeds. Um, my hands hurt today. My back hurts today. Peter, I, Pete, I'm not walking around much today because uh, I'm hurting. 
Peter, Peter always tells me, hey, before you go up there, uh, hey, stand still. Because he's the one running the cameras. So, um, Anyways, um, that hurt, by the way. Um, so I've been here to this garden, and it's really fun. I, I didn't think I'd like it, but I actually really like it. And, uh, but I'm digging down deep, and I'm digging down the roots, because if I don't just dig those roots out, within a couple of weeks, they're gonna grow, it's going to grow right back. And I've wasted all that time just plucking the top. And most of us believers, we just pluck the top. Because really what we care about, and I'm just going to get real here, is we just care about what you care about. I want to look good for them. I want to look okay to those around me. And then the Lord is just like, I see everything already anyways. And so just allow me to get on my hands and knees and let me dig deep and pull those roots out. And that's what he's doing with Peter in this passage. He's pulling some roots out. There's a great song on the radio right now. Digging down deep, pulling the roots out. Okay, let's read. Talk about it too much. Let's read it. So they have breakfast. We're picking up in John chapter 21, verse 15. They just have breakfast. And when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son of Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Okay, I have to stop. I'm horrible about that, but I'm going to stop. So why did Jesus start? Hey, Simon, do you love me more than these? Because literally just like two weeks ago, Simon stood up in front of all of these and said, I will stand, I will even die for you, Jesus. And then right at that moment, Jesus said, will you? In fact, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. Over the next 12 hours, you will deny me three times. That was unfathomable before Peter, but it happened. It wasn't the first time among these, because remember, they had conversations often amongst themselves. Who is the greatest disciple? Jesus, will I be the one sitting next to you by your right hand in heaven? And they would argue and fight over who is the best. <laughs> and it's interesting, Jesus goes right for that root, right out of the gate. And he says, Peter, you love me more than these. Peter's response, yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him, a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'm just going to stop there. Because when we read this in English, it's, it's, it's like, Jesus, you're really being repetitive here. He's already told you he loves you. So can we move on, right? And again, Jesus isn't doing this to shame Peter or to make Peter feel guilty. But Jesus is doing this so Peter will know that he knows that he is a follower of Jesus. And if you look in the original language here, it's really unique in this passage. And I'm not a Greek scholar, but I do have Bible Hub. <laughs> and it gives you, the, it breaks down every verse all the way down to the original language. 
And when it, in this passage, when you look at this and you read through it, this is what it says. Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Agape love is the type of love God has for us. It is an absolute, unconditional love. It's hard for us to get our minds around agape love. Because we are so conditional. We are so conditional in our love. And there's different types of love. We know that. That's just like when I say, oh, I love pizza. And I turn around and tell my granddaughter, I love you. Is it the same? I won't say. Um, yes, it's not the same. No, it's not the same. I love my granddaughter. I hung out with her for a long time last night. It was great. Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter's response is, Jesus, you know I phileo you. Phileo, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Peter's response is, Jesus, you know that I like you like a brother. Jesus, you know we're family. Is that what Jesus asked Peter? No. He said, do you agape me? Do you unconditionally, no matter what, love me? And Peter's response is, Lord, you know I like you. And so Jesus asked again, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter's response is, hey, you know I like you. How would that feel in a relationship, by the way? I love you. And you hear back, I like you. <laughs> men, I'm in the room. Men, I'm talking to you right now. Men, don't do that. <laughs> You're better off saying nothing and pretending you didn't hear it. Don't do that either. Okay, we need, man, we need help. Man, we need help. I'm just saying. And so then Jesus asked Peter a third time. Peter, do you actually like me? Because we read it here and it says Peter was hurt. That's why he was hurt. Because Jesus is questioning Peter's love for him. But what I love about this passage is the grace of Jesus. And Peter's response still is, Lord, you know all things. You know that I like you. Peter never responds with agape love. But that does not change the call on Peter's life. Isn't that interesting? Because Jesus, every single time, first time is, then feed my lambs. I know you like me. And so, because you like me, I want you to, I have responsibility for you. Feed my lambs. Okay, I know you like me, so I want you to take care of my sheep. Okay, you've said it three times in a row. I know you like me, so I want you to feed my sheep. The call never changes for Peter. Now, we will see that Peter's love for Jesus does change into an agape type of love. We don't see it in this passage, but as you read the book of Peter and 2 Peter, that man is changed by an unconditional love of Jesus. So after this difficult conversation, verse 18, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands 
and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the type of death that Peter would glorify God. Man, check that out. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would do what? To glorify God in his death. Wow. Then he said to him, follow me. So what Jesus is doing here, Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, there will be a time soon that you're going to be led to places you don't want to go. Incarceration. And then Peter is actually, it doesn't say it anywhere in the word, but historians have recorded it. Peter was actually crucified. But he was, felt like he was unworthy to be crucified like Jesus. And so he has to be crucified upside down. So on hearing that news, after a very, two, I mean, that was two difficult conversations, right? It's the question of his commitment to him, and then it's the, you're going to be led to places you don't want to go. And Jesus doesn't say it here, but we know what Jesus is saying is, I will be with you, even in those difficult situations. And I referred to earlier that Peter plays a really dangerous game with John. And this is the game, the comparison game. You can't buy that in the store. You don't want to buy that in the store. It's a harsh game. Because when we begin to start comparing ourselves with one another and what God is doing in them or in they, or like I compare myself to somebody else, it usually doesn't go well for my psyche. Right? Because we start saying, well, God, why are you doing that in them? I want you to do that in me. Well, my plan, God says, for you is different than my plan for them. So what is the word that Jesus says to Peter? Follow me. You follow me. Simple. You follow me. You trust me. You put your hope and faith in me. You lean into me. You seek me. And I'll do in you what I plan on doing in you. Because we are his handiwork in Christ Jesus, right? And God has planned things for each one of us to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It's huge for us to know that. But when we start comparing ourselves to others, we can spiral down into a really negative and even a place of bitterness hey, I have taken that road often. It's not a good place to go. Because we see here in verse 20, right after Jesus tells Peter to follow me, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Anybody else do that? You're going through difficult times and you're like, Lord, what? Why? Why do I have to go through this? And they're not. And David did that in the Psalms. He would look on the, the world, the people living, and they're just living it up, and it seems everything's, they're healthy, but they're, they're, they're not living for God at all. And David says, I'm crying out here, and I'm suffering. Why are you blessing them, and 
why am I suffering? David was playing the comparison game. It's a dangerous game to play, is all I can say. If you're playing that game, I just want to encourage you to step, take a step back and just do what Jesus asks us to do, and that's what? To follow him. You follow him. And Jesus' response here is priceless. It says, Jesus answered after Peter said, well, what about him? And Peter's like, this sounds like a dad here, total dad statement. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Right? That's a total dad statement. Hey, don't, you know, you just focus on you. You focus on you. And that's what Jesus is saying to Peter. Hey, I have plans for John. John's going to go through difficult times too. We're not going to talk about that right now. What I want to do is talk to you, and you need to follow me. And what it means to follow Jesus is to put our absolute trust in him. To put his kingdom first over our kingdom. To seek him first over seeking our own stuff. To focus on him and not to focus on ourselves. And not even to focus on our stuff like our good stuff. But sometimes we get caught up in focusing on our negative stuff. Our downfalls, our mistakes, our failures, our regrets. And Jesus says, just follow me. I'll take care of everything else if you simply follow me. I didn't read it earlier, but I'm going to read it right now. Jesus said to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. And what is the context of that verse? People are worried about what they're going to wear, their style, their clothing. People were worried about what they're going to eat. People were worried about what people thought about them. People were trying to be religious and earn their salvation by being good. And Jesus says, you know what? Just seek me first. And I will take care of all those other things. So in my life, when I'm feeling things are a little out of control and a little wonky, right? I step back and have that difficult conversation. God, am I seeking you first? Because you said you'll take care of all my needs. And so maybe I'm just losing focus here. And sometimes he's like, you're okay. But sometimes he says, yeah, you need to come back over here and seek me first and put me first. The last time Jesus says to, to Peter, he says, you must follow me. Peter, if you want to have life that is going to be abundant, that I've already talked about, you know it, you've been with me three years. If you want to have everything that I've been talking about for the last three years, you must follow me. It's not, you can follow me. If you want to follow me, that's a strong word. You must follow me, Jesus said. Comparison is a joy killer. So maybe if you're lacking joy in your life right now, just look at that for a second. See, are you comparing? Hey, their house is bigger than my house. Their car is newer than my car. You know, I don't know. Whatever it might be. There'll always be something, somebody who has something better than you. I try to celebrate them. You have a nicer car? Awesome. 
Revival is not an easy process. Peter is going through personal revival here, and we will see not long after this where Peter will stand up in front of thousands and proclaim the goodness of God. And thousands will get saved. Peter's love changes from, I kind of like you, Jesus, to I'm unconditionally in with you, Jesus. So sometimes with revival comes tough questions. Sometimes with revival comes an honest look at where we're at with him. Now, I do want to say it's important that we don't get too focused on our own mess. For me personally, I can really get focused on my own mess and my own failures and my own even disappointments and my false expectations. I can really get hung up there. And what does Jesus tell me to do? To seek those things? No. To seek him. Kevin, you must follow me. And he'll take care of everything else. He'll give me forgiveness. He gives me abundant life. He pours out his grace and mercy and gives me compassion and strength and encouragement. And he gives me a hope for a future of eternity with him. I can't even get my mind around eternity. So I just invite you this morning to have some personal revival time. In this moment, yes, of course. But this week, personal revival time. Go ahead and ask those questions. Allow him to ask those questions to you. But be honest with yourself and then be honest with him. He already knows. And so you don't have to like say something that you think he's gonna, that's going to make him happy. <laughs> Hard conversations. But he's our God. And he's with us. And he is able. Can I just say that? He is able to do immeasurably more. And I want to just read that passage to wrap it up this morning out of Ephesians chapter 3. Paul writes to the church, and as Ashley said this morning, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, so I believe his word is for us today. Even though it was written to a church in a small town on the water, we're a church in a smaller town by the water. Paul says, I pray, out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through, the, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, and grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, filled to the top, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we will ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So as we wrap this morning, I just want to ask you a few questions. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. It's always a good sign to you when I ask you to stand. Because that means we're almost done. I don't believe God is done, though. 
I'm one of those that believe Sunday's the first day of the week. <laughs> and what a great way to start off our week by with Jesus. And then allow him just to speak to us throughout our week. And I ask myself this question a lot, and I'm just going to ask you, so where are you at with Jesus? You know, the Gospel of John was written that we would believe and follow and have life in Jesus. So maybe you need revival. Maybe you need, you've never followed him before. You're interested and you're thinking about it. You need awakening. Have a conversation with him. So what would your answer be to his question? Do you love me? Man, can we say this morning, Jesus, I unconditionally love you. I unconditionally follow you. Or do we say, hmm, I don't even know how to answer that question. Can I just tell you that it doesn't matter how you answer that question this morning? Because it doesn't change who he is and it doesn't change how he feels about you. That he loves you. He loves you with an agape love, an unconditional love. And because he loves us, he draws us to himself. So as he's drawing you, just be honest with him. Yeah, Jesus, I, I like you. I'm having a hard time liking you more than my stuff. Just have a conversation with him. Allow him to gently change your focus from your kingdom to his kingdom as you seek him first. And man, if you're caught up in the comparison game this morning and and maybe you haven't heard anything except for that and you're just like, wow, that is me all the way. Again, you can have conversation with him and you can ask him to help you with that. Ask him to be like Paul, who says, I've experienced it all, but what I've learned is to be content in my relationship with Jesus. Hmm. And we're created to have a relationship with him. He reminds us that we are. And so so what are we doing about that? Are Are we spending time with him? Are we pressing into him? Are we leaning into him? Are we breathing in? His presence? Are we listening? Or are we the ones doing all the talking? (laughs) Wherever you're at this morning, I just want to give you just a moment. Just believe that God is is starting things in, in us today. That He will continue and He's faithful that He will finish what He starts. Lord, we call on your name this morning. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for working in us. 
Thank you for loving us with an unconditional love. <laughs> so God, arise in us this week. Arise in us this week. Let our faith be put to action. And for some of us who are just now thinking like, okay, I want to follow Jesus. Lord, continue to draw and work in their lives, God. Continue to love and open the eyes of compassion. Pour out your mercy and your grace. God, thank you that you meet us exactly where we're at. Some of us this morning are mountain toppers. Some of us, whether we're in the room or we're at home, are at the depths. We can't even imagine anywhere else. But Lord, I thank you that your word that says even when we're there, you are there and your hand guides us. So guide us to the place that you want us to go, Jesus. Lord, we tell ourselves this morning, we must follow Jesus. We must follow Jesus. And so may we follow you this week. Work in our hearts. God, I pray for incredible conversations with you this week. Praiseworthy, joyful, but also I pray for the difficult ones as well. And they're not difficult to you because you love us so much. You just want what's best. Thank you that you don't hide, that we can't find you. You are right out there in broad daylight for us to see. And so we do see you. We do seek you with all our hearts. And we follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, blessings to you. Next Sunday, we'll wrap up the book of John. And then we'll go from there, all right? Blessings to you.